0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another historic episode of Inspiration Point. My name is Andrew. And my name is Adam. Hello. And I'm Twy. Yeah, this is Twy, everybody. (laughs) This is our uh, second uh, guest from the absolutely remarkable... Uh, podcast and streaming show Twice Bitten, a uh, Curse of Strahd actual play show uh, run by the ever-incredible Dragnet Carta, and Twy is one of the excellent cast on that show. Good evening to you, sir, and welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. I've been listening through some of your back
1: catalog. Y'all do really cool stuff. It's a thrill to be here.
0: Oh, that's man, that's really nice of you to say. We, uh, <laughs> we, we,
2: well, I don't know. I, we appreciate that. I, Thank you. I te- that's the word you want. <laughs> that, that's that's the word what word I you would like to say. My
0: brain Thank just you. goes to, a- uh, uh, self-deprecating jokes. And uh instead of <laughs> just graciously accepting a compliment like a like a real genuine human being, no It, no is,
2: it is possible that all of our shows are good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, who could think that, honestly? I, yeah, who could think, I know. We're always Yeah, Twice
2: Bitten is, is quite good. I know <laughs> Andrew is a gigantic fan. Um I am just started. I, I was talking with Twi a little bit earlier. Nice. And, yeah, I've just started, but I'm very impressed with the uh, with the audio quality, uh, the performance, the acting, the accent work. I know that's hard to keep up. I was really struggling with
1: an accent the other night. Well, fortunately uh, for me, it's just kind of, I just go back to my roots. I just drop my mm-hmm. register a little bit and let the Southern come through from where it's been repressed. <laughs> I was going to say you, you had mentioned um, that you
0: favor East Coast time. And I was like, okay, if he's East Coast, that sounds like he's pretty familiar with that accent. My guess would be Georgia. Am I anywhere close? Oh my gosh. That's impressive. Yeah.
1: No. Applet. Yep. Yeah. Southern Appalachian. Oh!
0: oh wow. <laughs> I that was just a shot in the dark. I feel like I won something. Uh fully aware of No, no that's well done. That's hard <laughs> to pick out. Oh man.
2: A good job. Well, uh, thanks. I'm 10 points. I'm
0: done for the night. So you guys have a good time.
2: 10 points. to I would probably say Gryffindor. That would be my guess. You know,
0: I don't think I could hang in the other ones. I mean, Hufflepuff. I'm not. I'm not Hufflepuffy enough. You know,
2: I think that's your second. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, the impression I get is that they take anyone. You'll be fine. That's man. Shots fired at Hufflepuff
0: who won't retaliate at all.
2: So b- before I started talking to you, uh, Twy, I didn't realize this was just the way you spoke. And I thought, well, that's just his interpretation of, of uh, High Elves.
1: Well, it is. That's the thing. Like, I When I came up with the idea for this character, I was like, okay, so everybody's going to be expecting me to be some hoity-toity British. Where do I take this my own angle? And I'm like, I like that. Southern aristocracy. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. No, because like I, I liked the idea of taking that traditional, like sort of regal, high class stereotype and mm-hmm. sort of turning it on its head.
0: I Which, it's it's a really good one. It's a
1: terrific. I idea. think that
2: is an excellent idea. I think it absolutely fits for that proper class. Absolutely. Oh dear, the,
1: your, yours is better than mine. Uh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs>
2: I'm just copying Arcturus Minsk from StarCraft. Really,
1: <laughs> hey, it's
0: working. You have used that <laughs> accent in our games before, and it—it it, that's r- like it my really big bad good. in our
2: homebrew campaign. Actually, oh man, um, he—he's
0: man, what an infuriating bastard! But this that is guy not is.
2: about me. <laughs> this is about Twy and Twice Bitten and Earthrendeer. Tell me about that name.
1: Oh boy! All right. Yeah. So. Before I ever started Twice Bitten, I became a group of friends with a, shall I say, like just gathering of Lord of the Rings nerds who I am one of, but they know far more than I do. So I was just fishing around for cool names one day and I was like, hey, can you make a transliteration of this name? And they agreed. And so mm. now we, ha- we turn from the literal meaning, which is Holy Protector of Wanderers or the mm. transliteration of Christopher to Earthrendir.
0: That's Mm -hmm. that's really cool. I love that there are people out there that can do that stuff.
1: I know, they scare me. Like, you can ask for that, and
0: you get an actual result, not someone acting like you're insane. Mm
2: -hmm. That's such a better answer than sounded cool in my head. Oh,
1: no, no, don't misunderstand (laughs) me. I used it because it sounded cool. It has nothing to do with the character's actual personality.
0: Right, that's that's usually the reason for my characters' names. Pretty often, That's,
2: so, <laughs> that's, that's sounded
0: rad in my head, so it's a thing
1: now. <laughs> On the plus side, it has gotten a few folks in the fandom who know Sender and to really freak the heck out. So I'm happy for him. Oh man! Oh, good!
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You guys, uh, I I was uh, telling Jack when he was on the show that like the way you guys have kept, uh, some of the like most basic RPG elements of your characters secret throughout the show. And while you guys play and you guys are just kind of discovering your, um, your fellow PCs abilities as you guys play, that's been so well done. And it's something that I had never considered. And I, uh, I love when you guys like bust out a new ability and half the table like goes nuts. Like Serena just cannot keep a straight face to save her life. She just geeks out anytime anyone does anything new. Oh, it's so
1: much fun. She's because like she seems great to play with. Oh, yeah. No, she's wonderful. And I'll also say that it's kind of become easier as we go on because we've kind of figured out each other's personalities and it's less, okay, what class are they? And, oh, what would they take next after this story beat? Mm. Although I admit I'm particularly proud of a recent twice-been development for Earth and Deer's multi-class, which I will keep secret, but yeah. Oh,
0: you're getting me all intrigued now.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm only at the beginning, but I loved how everyone broke character and freaked out when they realized that you were, uh, a bard.
1: In yes. fairness, I was in deep cover on that one. I was like, yes, earth, my person who acts as a ranger and his rangers outfit.
0: Yeah. With his yes. bow,
1: it's just like, huh, oh, do you know, elves have longbow proficiency.
0: <laughs> That's a very good point.
2: Yeah. 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 Until, until you weren't interested in getting, uh, any other ranged weapon that wasn't the hand crossbow, and you turned that down. I was like, "Hold up, <laughs>
0: what
2: are you doing? <laughs> That's great." <laughs> he, he's like, "What's going on?" He's here?
0: doing optimizer math in the back of the Wait, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, just base proficiencies, right? You yeah. Know, so, what you like, what? Um, but yeah, it turns out you picked the best class in the game. So well chosen. There correct. you
1: go. I'm glad to see you have taste.
2: Yes, I, I too, am a man of culture. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) And I'm just a dirty, heathen, filthy, casual, as the kids say.
2: (laughs) Oh, You're just the guy we give inspiration points to. That's,
0: you know, I'll take him. I'll take him. Just Goliath fighter all day long, baby.
2: That really is his type. It is.
1: Hey, don't discount that. A good fighter's worth a lot of things, including (laughs) being able to turn your brain off. Oh, it's so nice.
0: (laughs) And I'm, <laughs> I'm playing a cleric in Adam's game right now. And it have been for a while. And what are we, we haven't hit 15, right? We're
1: coming yeah, up on it.
2: Getting there. You're, you're about to hit oh, there. Yeah. Oh, the, I, I am determined to get them to 20 and we're going to do it.
1: Ooh, the full, the full one. That's excellent. That's oh. going
2: to be difficult, but talking about getting into these kinds of games, you know, let's, yeah, let's start with the beginning, man. Like, uh, how do you get into this hobby? You know, how did you did well, you get to this? I know that's a huge
1: question. No, but. no, I actually have a defining a defined story for this one. Oh, perfect. Well, in so, the
0: Earthrun, there's a historian, so it's perfect.
1: Indeed. So six years ago, I was but a fresh college <laughs> freshman, and I saw that there's this thing called the TTRPG club that was. Oh recurring. my and god.
0: This yep. sounds very familiar.
1: Yep. Okay. It, it's it's how we all get sucked in. And so, you know, I walk in, not sure what I to expect, to find that they have one DM and 25 people who showed up oh, for this thing. Wow. They decide to go forward with this. They spend oh, no. two hours helping me make a character sheet, which I should note was in the Lamentations of the Flame Princess. That was my starter RPG. What?
2: That, what is that this? Title, I love this campaign already, yep. but please continue.
1: But yeah, so we sit down and I have three hours worth of objectively terrible d There is 25 people at the table. We literally go around round robin. It takes 30 minutes for everyone to figure out what's happening. Oh, no. And so hooked. they were
2: they were your lamentations the entire time. <laughs> That's what it was about. It was their
1: lamentations. I was having the time of my life. I had a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, their lamentations. Believe you yeah. me. <laughs> Look, I had a cleric. He had a sling. I had one spell slot. I was so excited I (laughs) got to hit people with rocks,
0: dude. It's that's great. It's it's uh, hitting people with rocks is extremely (laughs) underrated. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just science. That was Andrew on the
2: overpass. Just so
1: you know, (laughs) Um. here he comes. (laughs) Yeah, ever since then, I got hooked and played Lamentations for a while until. Eventually I was, a, I became part of a split off group that was playing one of the star Wars RPGs and realized like, Oh, Oh, that game's terrible. And I never looked <laughs> back.
2: Yeah. You, you definitely have to do, I think, uh, in one of my early first runs, I had like 13 at my table and, <sighs> and you know, sometimes you learn the hard way. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, presumably uh, things continued to move in a positive direction, right? Since oh, you're you're still doing it,
1: very much so. Yeah, I eventually picked up DMing mostly just because I kind of wanted narrative control. I wanted to play with worlds, and mm-hmm. I play. I ran three one shots, and then I started my first campaign. And I really should not have done that.
2: Oh, baby, <laughs> it's. I don't I don't know. Maybe you should have, right? Like sometimes you just have to jump in even though you're not ready. Yeah. Right? No. Like that's how you learn you Tell me Honestly, about that's
1: it. That's a better way of putting it. I learned a lot because <laughs> that was Curse of Strahd and who Boy. Oh, you man. gotta learn fast.
0: <laughs> you tell me about it, dude. That's I mean, it, Strahd is not the first thing that I've run, but it's definitely the first like honest to goodness campaign especially published module that I mm-hmm. that I've really given an honest shake um, and it's uh, just thank God for the for the subreddit I mean oh, oh you're
2: telling I think me. that's how he got into your show in the first place because he was just like I need help you know like <laughs> yeah. let's watch these guys let's see what they do which by the way Andrew you do a great job but um, Andrew has voices in his head I yeah,
0: that's true. There are many of them. Uh, don't we all? Uh,
2: What were what were the voices in your head telling you, Twy? Like what were the things that you learned from that first experience running Curse of Strahd and and you know, DMing for the first time? You know, what what were your key takeaways?
1: Oh, what didn't I learn? I think in some ways I've been irreparably tainted because now I just am not going to run anything that's not a sandbox. So I think that's kind of what, ta- what Curse of Strahd taught me. It's kind of, and why I honestly kind of love it as a beginner module, because hmm. there are, in, in some ways it is, I'm getting off topic already, but I'll it is, it. you need a lot of preparation to get started with Curse of Strahd. But once you run it, it kind of just keeps going because mm. like you've got to have this background on the world and the characters. And I spent like three months before the game started reading up on everything and figuring out timelines and motivations. Yep. And so when I actually got to the game, I found that, you know, it was really, it was really difficult managing player attention and, and time and all that is very hard, mm. but I didn't need to worry about what happen next, because I know what happened next. It's how these characters react to what just happened. Mm, Right. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I took away from Curse of Strahd as a new DM. It's that, you know, having knowing, having content to present to your players is a good Mm. thing. It is always good to have dungeons and engagements and things they can sink their teeth into, but what keeps a game going is that knowledge and that momentum. Knowing what makes your world tick and then just kind of letting things happen and result the pc's actions how how
0: long did it take you before you before you felt comfortable before it was like okay i'm not agonizing over the little details and i feel like i kind of intuitively have some ownership over this world that i've not created because obviously it's a module but y- you know you've made it your own
1: a solid year yeah they were level eight they were climbing climbing a mountain to a spoilery thing and mm-hmm. I was just looking at my session prep for the next one and I'm like huh this kind of has no resemblance to anything that is technically written down in the module but it's a result of their action so I guess we're rolling with it yeah <laughs> Yep. Uh, I love
2: that stuff and and I I liked your philosophy that you kind of outlined there where you're talking about that sort of cause and effect relationship. I mean, that's for for having learned that in like your first game, I think that's incredible.
1: Oh, no, I'm and I'm very happy. I think and I think that's the best takeaway you can take from Curse of Strahd. It does mean I was deficient in a lot of other areas like combat, dungeon social mm. role play, mm. accents. Monsters <laughs> aside. <laughs> I can go the, on. The
2: list goes on and on. Very much. What was so. your impression of those players? Like, did you feel like oh they're they had a good time? Well, like, well some of them are probably listening my mistake. to this, so
1: hi. But <laughs> also, yeah, no, I'm I, I think they had a good time. Yeah. I think it's difficult because as a DM it's tempted to look at things like, okay, my job is to make sure these people have fun. Oh yeah. And it yeah. is, but It's also not like, again, we're back on the tangent train, but I think when I kind of came to peace with them and things really started rocking was when I realized, okay, they're going to let their personalities determine what parts of my world they're interested in and Mm. what they dive into. But the world I present to them can be my own. I don't need to try and cater to their interests. All I need to do is make sure that the stuff they explore has depth.
0: Mm. And what do you define as
1: depth? What do you think they, gives something depth? I think how I define depth is if I were to continue investigating this, I would get a plot line out of it. It's not, mm. okay, The this shopkeep is a shopkeep. He has an amusing personality because I said so, and there is no depth to his personal life. If you take to this guy, then he becomes important. Yeah, if that's yeah, if that's true, then I am going to figure out how he fits in the grand scheme of things. And I might replace another character's intended role with his. And thus, if they, you know, take to this particular character to whoever the blacksmith, he morphs into a real character, even Mm -hmm. though he's staying within the bounds of the world I've created. They still get to choose what they care about. And that's
2: kind of such an important lesson.
0: And that's kind of the mm-hmm. mark of a of a uh, of an experienced GM too, right? To be able to to notice like, oh, there's this little thing over here that I did not intend for anyone to pay any meaningful attention to.
1: This was literally box text. I didn't remember
0: this. Yeah,
2: yeah. But to figure that out in your first run is uh, that's pretty good, dude. Yeah, no like, kidding. You need to DM a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm planning on it. Once I am, um, once I have free time again, I have so much I want to run. Oh, good. And good. What's helped is that I kind of, as a player, I cut my. I didn't really cut my teeth on D anD. d I started with the Fantasy Flight Star Wars RPG system, mm. which has a much heavier. It's still very crunchy. There's still a lot of metan- mechanical grit to get into. Sure. But there's a lot of mechanics and a lot of ways that it encourages encourages you to build the story that lend themselves to that style of gameplay. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: was that the one that was like, uh, like sort of landscape orientation? It was like longer than it was higher. The the book itself. Uh,
1: had like no. Darth Vader. It's on the the cover. one no? with the it's weird on dice you can't find anywhere with the weird symbols. Oh, okay. on them.
2: Okay, so not the one I played. Um, no. But Star Wars is a great universe. I, I really enjoy that. Is, um Are you more of a Star Wars or a Star Trek guy?
1: I'm Star Wars much to the, to the chagrin of all my friends, but I'm not <laughs> really sci-fi in general. I all just right. kind of enjoy the universe. I feel you on that one, too. Yeah. Um, no, that
2: just a <laughs> random question. Um, so, okay, so you, you were telling me earlier when we were t- talking that you're involved in several games right now. Mm-hmm. So tell me how that addiction developed
1: because <laughs> well, we all yeah, got that no, story. No, it's not something some sane person should be able to manage, but <laughs> you looking for like a story or what about TTRPGs compelled me. So
2: yeah, yes. like kind of, <laughs> yeah, all of that, you know, uh, you are the topic, so you, re- you really can't get off topic. Um, but yeah, it's, um, You know, were there people or shows or video games or like I played with this guy I wanted to keep playing with him? Uh, You know, what what were those things?
1: It honestly started because of that tabletop RPG club in college. And from there, it kept going because it kind of tapped into something I had always been good at, but never realized there was a medium for. Hmm. So I'm a, I'm an extroverted introvert. I love performance. I love acting whenever Mm -hmm. I can get that chance. But I also love that element of world building, of getting to craft something, put it forward to somebody, and then kind of create something together in that space. And there's not a lot of ways to do that unless you're just really into improv clubs.
0: Yeah, it really is kind of its own unique kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And that particular kind of thing, that ability to create this world, create, and especially to kind of react on the fly, to, you know, gauge engagement during a game, bring in characters I know they remember and I know they'll, like, kind of make sure I'm always upping the stakes and adding drama. It's kind of, to me, it's just feels like the most rewarding kind of storytelling. Because not only can you tailor these stories for these four other nerds, but... It's one you get to tell and create craft together. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I, I totally dig that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think you also had the right philosophy with that that cause and effect thing because in a way that gives that sense of of discovering and newness to you as as the GM. Absolutely. Um, which is very very fun and satisfying. I I look forward to seeing what my players are going to do next.
1: Oh, as, absolutely. As far, especially when they throw curveballs. Like, I've tried running Adventurers League, and I just go stir-crazy because I can't let the world react to what they do. There is a mm. path. I cannot run an additional encounter. I will get in trouble. Oh,
2: God. Yeah, the, those books are great ways to start campaigns and then do whatever.
1: <laughs> exactly. Which is why Twice Bitten was kind of an odd choice for me to join, personally. Because it's by well, the it book. Is-
2: Exactly mm. by the book. Yeah. But it is also that kind of adventure that has, um, b- you know, this isn't new, right? It's, it's a old story that's been reworked and redeveloped. I think it, that's why it, it is a very popular choice because of the name recognition, but also it's had time to like be worked on. Oh, and yeah, I think no, uh, I'll stand by to that. that end. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a classic, piece of of the D mythos
1: mm-hmm. and for a very good reason Strahd's the best villain they've got by a mile Fight like me <laughs>
2: he's i don't i can't fight you on that one okay fair. Um, <laughs> yeah um yeah i'm running storm kings right now and uh i i don't know Strahd that well yet but i'm definitely guessing there's a there has to be more depth to him than there is to the
1: Imreth. Well, it's, it's just that, like, <laughs> he's actually interested and engages with the PCs like continually. There, like, yes. there's a section in the book that you can read that says, "Okay, here's Strahd's priorities. Once the PCs enter the country, all of them go to the bottom, and his first is messing with these people to see if they're worthy. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's." You know him better than you know the your NPC companions. He'll pop in on a Thursday for brunch. You're you like Demi- blowing <laughs> all my
0: session plans here, Twy. You're, like, you're just <laughs> laying it all out here for him. He's like, oh, by the way, have the tea kettle on because that big bastard's going to be showing up to your house sometime real soon. Yep.
1: There's in every Strahd DM's head, there's a little clock. And as we get bored, it slowly <laughs> diminishes. And when it dings, there's a straw encounter. And now
2: <laughs> that's funny. Oh man. I like that idea. Um so I think we, we've seen some of your strengths when it when it comes to, to GMing. Uh what are some things that you're working on that you're trying to improve at?
1: Quite a bit. After I finished running Strahd, I started diving into an apocalypse world system called Monster of the Week. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. Mm -hmm. I haven't. So the idea of it's that it's based on all these kind of, well, literally Monster of the Week shows, stuff like The X-Files, Doctor Who, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, where the idea is that you're a group of monster hunters who are, you know, dealing every session's a different monster. There's continuous storylines, but they're not the focus. It's episodic. Right, right. And I hate that.
0: Yeah, where the <laughs> seems like every session's just kind of this standalone, self contained, like a bottle episode sort of deal.
1: Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, if you run it well, things will affect other things. Sure. And monsters that you deal with in season two will be based on actions in season one. But it's really hard to come up with unique problems without an ongoing villain. Like I've that's really what I found I struggle with is that like I need that structure of kind of having Mm. an ongoing conspiracy that you can fight or deal with. Because without that, I just I can't do you dive into this cave and you deal with these goblins who have their own self-contained storylines. I need connections.
3: Mm.
0: So those goblins have to somehow tie back to a central event or figure or some such
1: and you have hit precisely why Curse of Strahd is good. Because
0: mm. everything comes
1: back to Strahd. Everyone. It
0: sure does. That actually I I remember in uh looking for a bunch of the different um, you know, community resources and stuff, someone had actually made this not a flow chart, but like a connection chart. And it's everything is like a different size circle and they're all, it's hilarious. You know, exactly the one I'm talking about. And there's like this tennis ball sized circle in the middle that just says Strahd. And there's like a billion lines, like just flying out from yes. that one circle.
1: No, it's wonderful. Cause there is literally one chapter of the module that does not tie into Strahd that are just a bunch of some people doing their own thing. It's, which I'm not going to say because mm-hmm. it's the mother of all spoilers, but it's still really funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a heck of a module. Mm-hmm. And why I've been happy to go back to it with Twice bitten. It's been a lot of fun, and also, I've learned a lot. Yeah. What are some of the things you've learned? Nobody reads D&D modules thoroughly. <sighs> uh... <laughs> I didn't. Nobody, uh, no one on the Curse of Strahd subreddit does. Like, I am... I am convinced that Carta was the first person to sit down and do like connections and annotations and actually figure out how this book is supposed to be run because there's these millions of tiny little things that communicate like developer intent and how how the game's supposed to happen. Yeah. That everyone ignores because they just don't notice, which has kind of been the twice been experience in a nutshell. Yeah. Because like We've had a, there is a pretty central moment of most campaigns, a central thing that the PCs are supposed to have the opportunity to stop that we only found out about at the moment it happened. And that mm-hmm. is because rules has written, the only way you find out about that quest is if you have a cleric or a paladin in the party. Mm-hmm. The only way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know exactly
2: the one you're talking about. And that's, that's very true. Yeah, Andrew has both a cleric and a paladin in our current party. Yeah. Excellent.
1: No, it's a good fit for Curse of Strahd. You got to have those holy folks to take their faith and shake it around a little. Oh, uh, just shake
0: <laughs> it around. I like that. I, I've been trying to shake them around. They uh they actually just last night got into Vallaki for the first time, went to the oh, Blue Water Inn, met the Martakovs and headed out in the morning for the Wizard of Wines, and they're just coming up on the winery. That's where we stopped the session
1: last night.
2: Oh. And I, for one, am glad to have the hardest part of this game behind
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, did y'all, run, did y'all run into that perchance? Oh, <laughs> Oh, man. you poor souls. Oh,
2: we got the business.
1: <laughs> oh, I bet you did.
0: The session before got, this was—I uh, actually used uh, Dragna's Devil's Crossroads uh, session plan as like a basis for what I did. So they had mm-hmm. the—they uh, ran into the carriage and had that little moment.
3: Oh, you poor
0: souls.
2: <laughs> Oh yeah, I got t- gotta tell you, this straw guy—I don't care for him. <laughs> He's unsavory. <laughs> yeah, you know, not not my type of. He dude. found you guys um, very savory. <laughs> uh, yes, he did.
0: Oh, um, it, it, they so they uh, every single person in the party save Irina got charmed. All of them. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. I was like, one of them is going to pass and they're just going really to throw a wrench into everything and I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, this is going to turn out to be just like an air quotes, nice, cordial meeting and conversation. I was actually prepared for more conflict than what happened.
2: I, hmm. I think us failing those saves are the only reasons we might actually be alive. <laughs>
0: That's probably um, that's very true.
2: <laughs> so anyway, let's yeah. um let's get back to to Earthwindir a little yep, bit. It's Earthrendir because you said you close. love acting. Oh, I do. Oh, sorry. You no, know, you're fine.
1: It's elf, <laughs> or pardon me, it is elf nonsense. <laughs> you're allowed to mispronounce it.
2: Tell me about what this character means to you. Tell me about your inspiration behind him. What are characters you draw from? Um, what is the arc? that you think you're going through, like, yeah, all that
1: Sure. So, Earthrendir kind of started from two places. One was, as I said earlier, a interest in... I've always loved Elves. I just... Mostly from just a deep-seated love of Tolkien and that sort of underlying melancholy that they have. And I wanted to play that in a way that was different. And I wanted to figure out... Because you always see Elves played in one of two ways. Either there's this, they're the haughtier-than-thou, think-they-know-everything, need-to-be-taken-down-a-peg, or right. they're the classic Tolkien, which is exhausted with the world, mm. exhausted with people, and just reclusive and very, very tired. Weariness made flesh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wanted to play someone who, while he might have fallen into those archetypes later in life, isn't there yet. And so mm. what he is right now is angry. He is incredibly angry, and a lot of Twice Bitten has been kind of showing where that came from, and also showing his struggle to not let it do what happens to most elves, and let it just transmute to that weary sort of grief.
0: So he's actually actively aware of the fact that most elves kind of wind up in that headspace, and he's actively trying to avoid going
1: to that place. Mm-hmm. And part of it is he's mm. young. That was pretty integral to character. He's barely 100 in a species with a 7th century lifespan. <sighs> and so I really wanted to explore that. Like, okay, before you get there, before you get to all that, what is... what? What's the logical result of someone who knows he has 600 years left but is still struggling to deal with what happened last year? How do you
0: how, how do you cope especially given that uh Erthrendir addresses the whole um you know the sort of reincarnation side of elf lifetimes so like within airthranddir's soul there are previous iterations who would have actually gotten to that aged elf
1: place right mm-hmm. yeah and like it's not just that like, he comes from a, he, he grew up in an elven society. Like he sees mm. what happens to folks. And I think, I don't think he's unique. I think in my inter- interpretation of elves, I think there are probably a lot of young people like him. Mm-hmm. But exploring that partici- particular, like, life stage interested me. Yeah. Kind of a teenage elf. Very much a teenager, <laughs> yeah. yes. In many respects. He is loud. He's boisterous. He's angry. He is too excited about things. He does get all cranked up about the things he loves. Yep, and that kind of ties into part two of what I was interested in about him is that I, as has become obvious, I like inversions. I like taking base assumptions of what characters should be and playing with them. Mm. And I also wanted to take a look at bards because everyone knows the the bard stereotype as it's evolved. It is pretty set in stone. Dandelion from The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Bard, is entertain, Bard as entertainer. And so, I thought, hmm, okay, that's cool, and I like that, but what about Bard as scholar? Bard as someone who is fully aware of stories and music and the power they hold, but is trying to document that instead of kind of mm. spreading it, which kind of brings it back to the central tension of his character, honestly. And that comes into another thing, which is that, I'm not sure if Jack told you this, but when we started Twice Bitten, mm. one of the parts of character creation was that we had to bring a character haunted by something. They, uh. they needed to not be whole. If we were going to walk into Curse of Straw, they had to have something in their past, some issue they can't quite let go of, some horror that they're dealing with or have just dealt with. They've, they've got to be broke. They, not broken people, but folks who are not Not adventurers in the sense of they're living happy lives, but folks that are not adventurers in the sense of they are just essentially being thrust into a horrible world as a way to mold them into something better.
0: Mm, That's that's such an interesting kind of uh, parameter to set at you know at like a I guess like a uh, session zero sort of stage where it's like okay your your character is almost uh kind of like uh like they say about ghosts like you've got unfinished business right yep there's that piece or two that's missing or there's something within yourself that you can't quite mm-hmm. reconcile with the rest of yourself and exactly. you're kind of dealing with it over time
1: and that's Kind of, and that's not just an arbitrary choice. That's part of Dragna and increasingly my thesis statement for the module, hmm. which is most people run Curse of Strata's either as horror that turns into heroic fantasy or just as dark heroic fantasy from the outset. Mm. There you come in, you kill the bad guy, you make, you invest in the land and you make things better. Mm. From Dragna's perspective and that doesn't seem right because there's a lot of elements of the Barovia setting that kind of conspire to create this very isolated, very. The example he used was stuff like Chronicles of Narnia or The Phantom Tollbooth. Mm. The sense of a land that is a crucible in and of itself, not a place that we are meant to attach to. A
0: crucible is such a good word. Like it, the the connotations. There are perfect. That's it's such a great thing to compare it to.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So when I was crafting Arthur and Deer, that's always in the back of my head. Make someone who needs change, but also make someone who who Brovia can change in an interesting way. Mm. And that's kind of where I got with him. He's this hot, he's kind of a studying contradictions. He's this incredibly hot-headed elf. He's a bard who's more interested in scholarship than performance. He's, like, kind of fanatically protective of, his, of people he cares about while at the same time being very much stuck in his own past. It's It's been a lot of fun to try and reconcile.
2: Yeah, I bet. What is his relationship with the other player characters?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> a mess, uh, to put good. it bluntly. Yep. What were you going to say? No,
0: I was like, that's a that is a doozy of a question.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so another thing about TB I've kind of had to get used to is that most of the characters aren't pals. I think there is only one character that, or two, there are two characters out of the four that Earthrendir would consider genuine friends and Mm. one of them he's dating. Mm. So, yeah, well I'll go one by one, I suppose. With Kiva, I think it's mutual respect with a little bit of mutual resentment bubbling under it. Because mm. they—they're both elves. They both, in some ways, have that same compulsion to help, that compulsion to protect. But they're both kind of frustrated at the other person because they're like, "No, oh, don't sacrifice yourself. Let me do it instead." She.
0: You have a life to live. She definitely has that, uh, that strong maternal instinct side to her, Mm -hmm. including like the, um, I guess the, the somewhat aggressive side, like the, the mother bear kind of, um, she'll
1: thrust herself into danger, uh, actively. Yeah. And it's really cool, but it also means that Erthrindir, who's kind of taken upon this self appointed duty to, I need to keep everyone safe, Mm kind of hates it. So it's this, again, this mutual respect, but there's this, I really wish you would stop putting yourself in danger unselfishly because I love you and I care about you, and selfishly because you are, I don't want to, I am, I don't want to have to run after you into battle to make sure you're safe. Right. Yeah. So that's, they've, they they've dealt with a lot of this. It, they've sorted a lot of this out mid campaign, but there's still that undercurrent there.
0: Did you? Um, how much discussion about the relationship between Eirthondeir and Kiva did you have with Serena out of game that you then brought to the table?
1: Not a ton. Mm-hmm. I've talked with everyone about how characters are going to go, and like Jack said in his his episode, but. The person I've had the most, like, figuring out how this is going to work together has been both Lillison and Amity. Mm. And I suppose Lillison's the logical next step, because they're... <laughs> well, there's a reason a lot of our audience really wanted them to get together in Twice Bitten's early days. Mm. They're alarmingly similar. Yeah. But it as the campaign's gone on, it's increasingly apparent that, like, oh, okay, they they care about the same things, but how they show that is very different. Yes. And so it's kind of...
0: <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> it's,
1: led, it's led to this really interesting relationship where, like, Willis continually lies to him, and he knows she's continually lying <laughs> yeah. to him, but he gets it, and he understands why. And at the same... T- so they're just like, it's... But at the same time, he trusts her with his life because she he knows that even if she's lying to him about stuff, that she needs to keep close to her chest. Mm -hmm. She will be always there for him in every respect there could be. So it's this really weird, just nuanced relationship. That's probably really unhealthy, but man, is it compelling? No kidding.
0: She, she's, she's such a, a secretive character. Like I, I, I can't wait to talk to Kaya about kind of how she is approached lillison um i'm i'm a ways on uh you guys have done some stuff having to do with Kretz at the moment for me and um ah uh, yeah that one she her character has done has gone on this really kind of strange journey from she's always been very secretive and has always kind of kept things close to her chest but instead of it being just here's an info dump about my character so now we trust each other right or something like that she's she creates
1: these elaborate personas for each person she comes to know
0: yeah and she's really kind of done a lot more showing than telling she's had Lilison's mannerisms change and things like that and I, I think that that sort of thing has also been evidenced with um, you and Jack and like the whole, the whole squad really it's really interesting to see how your characters have evolved over time while not seeming it's always seemed
1: organic mm-hmm. and like frankly again that kind of ties back into what I was talking about a bit earlier that That's why I play RPGs to Mm. let things change and evolve. And it does mean earth and deers come down a path. I never anticipated for them, but that's kind of half the fun. It it is. Let the dice do what they're going to do.
2: So taking like a quick step back for sure, because, you you know, kind of getting into the, to the weeds a little bit, let's take a step back outside of them looking in like to the, to the newbie to twice bitten. What it, you know, in your interpretation of the game, what is the sort of elevator pitch? What is, what is it that the show is and how is it different?
1: Probably well, we should have done that a bit earlier. Shouldn't we?
2: <laughs>
0: you're right? You're right. We just, we get excited.
1: <laughs> True.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, what do you think? Because, you know, I think I asked Jack the same question and it, I'm curious to see if we can get different answers.
1: Probably. So my, if I were trying to sell twice bitten as an experience to somebody, What I'd say is that it is kind of in the purest sense, letting like, well, for one, it's a DM masterclass Mm. on Curse of Strahd. That's the first and I think the foremost thing for a lot of our audience. It is, Dragna is, I'm, I've watched the person who wrote this module do his run through and I've been part of Dragna's and I think Dragna does it better. Mm. Like I don't, he, there's, No one I know that does the module as written better than him just isn't there. But high praise. Aside from that, it is. I and it's. I'm very happy I get to play with this guy. Absolutely. But also, it's a character driven story with an emphasis on how this module and these circumstances change people. With a with an especial focus on helping folks turn from essentially normal people, folks who are tormented, to heroes. And taking mm. a track that's in- believable, like, I think Matreon's a great example of this in the sense of, I adore how he's played Matreon's hero turn, mm. in that it has taken eight levels. It he's, it's not just that like, oh, well, I see these bad things happening and I have the power to stop them. That's all Earthrendir needed. That was the extent of his hero turn. Sure. That's just that's just where he was. But for a lot of us, it's been slowly learning to be adventurers. Mm. And I think the path to getting there and the path to dealing with Strahd in the process of getting there is just extraordinarily, extraordinarily compelling television. Mm. And in the process... We play a pretty good game of Curse of Strahd too. You know the dice bets are fun. You got that right. We enjoy dice. So less of an elevator pitch and more of an elevator that's gotten stuck halfway, and you're now <laughs> sharing sandwiches. But you take my point. It's a tasty sandwich. <laughs> I'm glad.
2: Well, I think that I think that's a good interpretation, though. Like at least that's my my Im- impression. Only being about four episodes slash two chapters mm. in, you know. Mm-hmm. but you know everyone does bring that sense of they are tormented i have not gotten to the point where they feel heroic mm. yet. uh so it is uh that's interesting to to know that that is coming going in mm-hmm. uh i think that's exciting it's a slow burn for sure yeah um i notice that when i listen to the show that the Dragna seems very hands-off for the most part like you can tell he's paying attention. And he he steps in where needs, and and there are points where there's intervention. But I see a lot of character-to-character interaction. So much. Mm -hmm. I love that, too.
1: And in some ways, that's kind of... One, we're all DMs, we're lore nerds, and we're playing in our favorite setting. Like, we're going to take any opportunity we get to bounce off each other and bounce off the setting and squeeze it. Mm. But also, it's kind of cheating, but we know the module. So like we we know where the trapdoors are, we know where we know what's down that hall, we know what to expect. And so in a lot of ways, we can kind of have a bit more freedom with just kind of interacting with the environment and expressing that because we're not gonna be wrong generally. Mm.
2: But you guys are good at playing into like the I don't know aspect, like you guys have different opinions on how to proceed.
1: Oh, almost maliciously. We're pretty bad about, well, I'm going to craft a character that is wrong about every aspect of the setting. (laughs) That's been air. I appreciate
2: that.
0: Yeah. I think Jack mentioned something similar to just trying to make a character who is deliberately wrong in order to showcase the different things about the module. It's, you know, let the module show how wrong X character is. Mm -hmm.
1: And I've really enjoyed that.
0: It's you guys have been excellent about it. How, when it comes to how you approach playing your character, how has the fact that you have run the module and you do know what's there, how has that impacted how you approach your character and how do you divorce yourself from, The things that you are aware
1: that you know. That's a tough one. A lot of it comes down to the fact that in session, I'm traditionally just kind of letting things go. Hmm. I am, I think, I think what made a lot of this is the fact that I made a character whose goals and personalities and personalities, personality (laughs) and vices and things he cares about would deliberately interact and be relevant to as much as the module as I could physically foot it fit in mm. so you know I give him a hang-up with Matt I give him a hang-up with arcane magic because I know there's a bevy of unethical arcane casters hanging around I mm. give him a obsession with a you know the death of his people a few a hundred years back because there's a community of elves that lives in brovia with Right. something very similar. So I, I th- that honestly is a lot of that. And what I need to do in the moment is mostly just to keep from metagaming. Yeah. It can
0: be it can be hard, I would imagine.
1: Oh, no. In, in a recent episode, I, in character, picked up a scroll, unfurled it, and started reading from it before <laughs> I realized that Dragna hadn't told me what was on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But in a way, that's the most fun, right? Like, there's like, oh, whoopsie! Like, yeah. so in the way, it's new for you, I guess, even if it's to your detriment. I
1: suppose, right? No, it's 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 really funny. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how we. That's how I try and approach things. I it's less that I do stuff in the moment, and more that I tried to make a person that would care.
0: Hmm. That's really great. You know, you, when you're making your character and working in working in the buy-in making sure that Mm -hmm. like, like this isn't going to be just a whatever character that just kind of goes along and just is along for the ride. This character is built to interact with this setting and to accept and receive what the setting is going to give to it. And also contribute to the setting and, you know, fill in the spaces that the setting and the story have you go okay this character a character like this is not really represented in barovia and they can shine all the brighter for it or they can act as sort of a mirror for certain a- uh, aspects of barovia as well
1: mm-hmm. and i think that's that sort of thing is why Pem and Matreon headed off so well. It's that Metrion in a lot of ways, is a mirror for Brovia and Deer is a light for it, mm. and that is why they kind of hate each other. Yeah, you guys
0: have you guys have really had a lot of intra character conflict, but Jack also mentioned that you guys went about dealing with that and handling it from a very responsible sort of angle. Can you tell us a bit about kind of how how you guys went about kind of establishing and growing and working All sort of boundaries? Yeah. Like how do you how do you work through that sort of stuff? What do you what do you tell each other? What do you leave out? to preserve some of the surprises, you know,
1: that sort of stuff? I honestly, first off, I'll give Jack most of the credit on it because most of our correspondence about this sort of thing has been him messaging me to say, hey, I'm thinking about having such and such happen tomorrow or this would be Metreon's reaction to this. Mm. Is that okay? Or should I change it somehow? So that's mostly kind of how it comes up. It's less that we're workshopping their exact relationship. We are mm. both, me and him are both very much believers in, we'll do it live, we're gonna sure. let what happens happen. But it, it's honestly just that, just checking in every so often to be like, hey, was that too much? Mm. Hey, like, I'm I, i, I I'm gonna let you know, Matreon's gonna be really angry, or is going to be bloody furious, but that's just the character. And, you know, we know that, but it does help to make sure to check in every so often. Because you play with a group for this long, you kind of sit together with them, learn their every idiosyncrasy. Mm-hmm. If they snore, you you need those release valves right. to make sure that you can just sit down and talk so that if there is a grievance or if somebody isn't feeling great, that doesn't come through in the game. Mm. Did you have any moments where you
0: found yourself um, maybe? You know, taking things more personally than you thought you ought to. I I know that I personally have run into those sorts of things in games. You know, we get so invested in our characters that sometimes the the line between the
1: lines yeah, blur. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you get a lot of ble- bleed. They call it in the LARPing world. Yep. So and yeah, it's come up a few times. It's we we've always dealt with it, but it does pop up sometimes. Yeah, I imagine. I mean
0: especially in a in a setting that's as emotionally intense as uh as Barovia is. I know our home group has run into the same sort of thing where, you know, the events of the night and the session can can sometimes get really intense and maybe, you know, unintentionally hit a little close to home on certain topics or things like that and mm-hmm. And we can and like, find ourselves a little surprised by like, oh, that that hit me a little more than I thought it would, or,
1: you know. Yeah, no, and there's been more than one occasion where we've just talked out of character and have been like, hey, next episode, there needs to be some sort of respite or an apology or a particularly nice moment, because I just, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's too much. And kind of compounded by that is, I.
0: Is embarrassing
1: to say. I don't really like horror.
0: Oh man, go for it, Adam. So, I, 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 I relate to
2: that.
1: <laughs> oh how so?
2: Oh yeah, no horror is not my jam either. I definitely am. Uh, I definitely prefer like classic Dungeons and Dragons and mm. heroism and quick progression. Yeah. Um, so I, so I get that. But I, that actually leads me to another question, though, um, which is you mentioned to me earlier that you were involved in a few other games. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought maybe you'd give a quick rundown, to like, who, are, what else are you playing? What, are, what, else, what other characters are you exploring?
1: Ah, yeah. Well, a lot of them, because Twice Bitten is so just emotionally exhausting, mm-hmm. a lot of them yeah. are a good bit lighter. So at the moment, I've just recently concluded a Star Wars game in which I was playing a Rebellion pilot. So Fun. that was, yep, the end of... Chirpy, they call the seven foot tall bird person who, <laughs> who's been a rivalry with. Yes, uh, so he's been a lot of fun to play. It is. It was a very good campaign, and also I am in a just something that is purportedly supposed to be a horror campaign out of the abyss, but given what our group has done to it, has just turned into this: the gathering of the four worst people on Earth, just mashing their way through the underdark. I feel like I can get behind that sort of idea.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's definitely a
1: Andrew. I just responded to this unrelenting bleakness, and I've just been like, right, we're just going to be awful, like, but fortunately is awful in the way that is funny, so it is really stupid, but I love it. When in Rome! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Do you have another another one? uh, Yeah, I am starting a game, another like, apocalypse world system called Fellowship, which is meant to be this very, sort of a story building game. It's meant to be based around the sort of classic questing tales stuff like Lord of the Rings and traditional Mm. high fantasy. We haven't gone much into it yet, so I can't tell you much about it, but it's a really neat system.
0: Does How similar is it to D20?
1: Not at all. Not remotely. It's The emphasis is very much on Okay, here, here's these moves. Here's your character's special abilities. Here's the dice you roll for these things. But the emphasis is on a lot of, especially early on, on building story together. Like one of the game's gimmicks is that each of you, each of your characters represents like an entire group of people. They are the, and by which I mean like, you know, elves, dwarves, trolls, tinkerers, what have you. Mm. And it is up to whenever something about your group comes up it is up to you to define what that is. So hmm. a lot of it is kind of this almost like microscope-like experience where you start with a sort of framework and then it gets filled in as you have adventures together. Interesting. Yeah. That's very cool. Hey. So what
2: What about the character you're playing for that game? Who's that?
1: <laughs> that is S-H-U Shu, a 40-foot-tall hill giant with a heart of gold oh. who loves his friends very much. Sounds like he my He's not of guy. very complex, and that is why I love him. Oh, see, it's the <laughs> best, isn't it? So
2: he's your palate cleanser. Yeah. Yep, I, right.
1: I've I've already said once. I'm done with Twice Bitten. I'm not touching horror for like a year until I inevitably go go back to Run Curse of Stroud again. It will happen. <laughs> I was just
0: gonna ask if uh, if you would if you're gonna be going back anytime soon because yeah, it's I I've been very impressed at how how you've all been uh at kind of allowing yourselves pretty decent degrees of emotional vulnerability in the show. And I I can't I can easily imagine how emotionally exhausting that can be.
1: It is. And it gets easier as things go on because I think kind of the nadir of that was the there was a session after a Strahd encounter, I think episode 11, mm. where everyone was at odds. One of our characters had just let Strahd inside deliberately to try and lessen his wrath. Everyone was arguing with each other, and yeah. I felt like the only thing that was really realistic was Aerithrendir left the room, he went out to an alley in Vallaki, he conjured in a minor an illusion of his home, of mm. the seaside around him, and then he just Sat down and
0: wept. I loved that moment. Like, it, I was like, what is he doing? And then you cast the spell, and I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. So I think
1: after, see, after, after a game full of scenes like that, not all of them sad, we've gotten, we've been pretty good about allowing room for heart and joy, sure. and companionship. But I'm, I'll be happy to move on to non horrory pastures.
0: Have you done other, uh, any of the other kind of first party settings? I know one of Adam's big favorites is
1: uh, Theros. I haven't. I have stolen a bunch of mechanics from them because I love mythic actions, but I haven't really touched anything like that or the critical role setting. I am I'm one of those people who basically uses setting as I'm. I want you to fill in the details I can't think of. So I. But I'm I'm interested in them, but I haven't looked into them yet.
2: So, you know, what what is next? Like, once it's done, you know, I, do you have any ideas of what to run next?
1: I, our tentative plan is to go on a few months of break and then to do a, not a sequel campaign, but a campaign with the same group and called Frostbitten, which mm-hmm. is Dragna's very much not rules as written take on Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Oh,
2: that'll be cool. But
1: otherwise, I'm going to take a long break I'm going to let myself recharge, and then I'm going to find some poor hapless group of newbies, <laughs> and I'm going to run Curse of Strahd again. <laughs> and
0: a- after you've been put through the uh, the Dragna School of Pain, yep. Oh man, I have
1: six hundred. I have six hundred resources in my Strahd stuff folder, and a hundred more bookmarks. I am not letting that go to oh, waste. Oh
2: man, there's so, it- so. is that is that called Pain it forward? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nailed it! Nailed it!
2: Yep, uh,
0: paint it forward. Oh my goodness! It. So I first of all, I I want to say thank you so much for you know diving into your character and your experience with uh with the game so far. Um, I know that prior to the show we had discussed uh doing a topic. I know we're already over our normal time anyway, but depending on how you guys are feeling if we want to try to throw that in keep, now? I can keep going. I'm I'm down if you guys are.
1: But but if y'all have time constraints right. or I know, yeah, just chill.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Uh did did you have uh something that you've been that's been on your mind?
1: Uh yeah, and did almost um, it mostly just ties back into both Curse of Strahd and what I was talking about in the beginning, mm. which is the importance of games that result from consequences and from mm. essentially the players bouncing off the world you've created. And that's my kind of why I like Curse of Strahd. It is because it is an incredibly small setting, but is incredibly deep. Mm. So Barovia is tiny. Barovia, the, I think the canonical width is like, 15 miles, you can walk across and, you know, there, there's deep woods. It's difficult, but it'll take you like a day and a half. And that, and you can't leave. That mm. is kind of the sticking point. Yeah. If you decide you want to go have nautical adventures, go sail Lake Zarovich in your tugboat because uh, you are stuck Man, here. you're,
0: yeah, you're in for good times on the,
1: on the open lake there. <laughs> and I, I think. A lot of the popularity of, well, of Strahd, but also of Ravenloft in general is a side effect of that particular state of affairs. Mm. It's small. It is incredibly rich in history and detail, and you can't leave. So that means essentially you're going from levels one to 10, a solid year in the land, in land the size of a postage stamp. Mm. And don't get me wrong. This has downsides. This has a lot of downsides. But the upside is that everything your players do comes back to them, for good or for ill. And there is no substitute for that, for making Mm. an engaging game that feels alive. There's nothing like it.
2: So I I really like that format a lot. I think it's my preferred format. Uh, Having a limited world that you can make very rich and very intimate. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I do that for my homebrew setting that, uh, you know, I had just broad strokes about what the world was almost nothing defined. We started really tight zoomed in and it was just like you were saying earlier about players become obsessed with the blacksmith. Now that's a real yes. character. Yep. You know, it is that, is, that for me is the bee's knees because I love to, as a player feel like I'm achieving something that I'm having impact on the world. And as a DM, I love the discovery of watching my players impact the world. And so that is like core for me. And I'm also getting to play in a game that's like that. And it's so much more satisfying for me of an experience as opposed to when I've uh, played in something that had been a little bit more scripted.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, And I'm, uh, you know, Andrew mentioned last night from, after Strahd that after our session that, uh, Vallaki was going to be much more sandboxy. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to interacting with that.
1: Oh yeah. The is the best and the worst of curse of Strahd in a mm. nutshell. It is so much prep. There are so many moving parts, but it's worth it because everything affects everything else.
0: Yeah, that that's really true. And like moving up to, uh, Valaki like I was dreading doing the prep for that for so long and uh, I I even follow Dragna's Patreon so I'm literally bugging him with questions constantly um, and he has been incredibly gracious every single time um, and some of the advice that I had seen up until uh I ran our first Vlocky session was this interesting tip for GMs that as the GM, you control the flow of information. So anything you aren't ready for your players to interact with or anything, you are the one who determines when they find out about this stuff. So if ever, right. So it helps you like, control how you pace these things out and helps you make something that you know Valaki can feel like oh man I think I may have bit off more than I could chew
1: and you can but not every quest needs to trigger it
0: once exactly and man that that helped me in such such a big way because yeah prep can get so daunting and I I will fully admit that the game up until Velockey has um I've I have run it
1: yeah a bit railroady. Um that's that's the railroady part of the module. That's exactly. not a there is nothing interesting in Eastern Barovia. Mm. So
2: yeah I definitely Barovia, got that sorry. sense. Yeah. You like that we were in tutorial learn to play yep. this kind of game. It yep. is different from your typical DD fair. One th- one setting I would consider very typical D D fair would be Storm King's Thunder, mm-hmm. and it does a similar thing in chapter three. Chapter Three is gigantic because instead of Velocki, they're like, Here's the entire north. Your players might go anywhere. Good luck. Oh Bye. my
0: god, oh, it's that eesh. much.
2: And in alphabetical order, it has every location. <laughs> In the north, and everything gets about a paragraph. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Thanks. And Wizards like of the coast, little old Wamford has about as much information as the entirety of Waterdeep. D-
3: really?
2: <laughs> yeah. So you really have to control that, right? Like, wow. You, yeah. You don't. You don't say, okay, players. Here's a 100 choices because you're both going to be miserable.
1: Welcome to the hex crawl, kids. No.
2: Yeah, you. that we don't want that what like every session you go, here's a B maybe C if I'm feeling right. generous, you know? And then when they pick B, you go cool, a B or C again. <laughs> and then they uh, see this time. Cool. A B or C. Right? Yeah. And that, and you branch it that way so that it's manageable. Plus you can just skip the things you are just not that interested yep. in. Mm-hmm. Right. So there were, there was like a, this whole quest line where you had to like, go get these giant artifacts and, bring him to the temple of Anam and I was just like I'm not going to do that that's done. <laughs> uh, we're just going to skip that and we're going to move on with the story that is um, so we went to a we went to a few good places and also I was able to tailor those things to the players themselves right like that's that's okay, we're going to be more interested in this location mm-hmm. so I like that um, so <laughs> it, I'm sorry not to not to compare but it was funny having you guys talk about Vallaki I was like yeah yeah
1: yeah no that's
2: I get you all of the north uh, yeah but but
0: Strahd is (laughs) it's so like you can really tell that they it's a very well structured book for as for as open as it is you know it's not perfect Um, but it does a good job kind of uh letting you see that they were at least thinking about usability when they made the module where it, yeah, like it sounds like with the, them throwing the entire region of the North at you, you know, it, it almost seems like, where do you, where do you begin with that sort of thing? I wouldn't know where
2: to start. <laughs>
0: How Adam,
2: yeah. If you could make an adaptation to Curse of Strahd, right? Because right now you're playing rules as written, yep. and you've you've played it pretty much straight up. Mm-hmm. How would you like, like, if you were to just do your own riff again, but this time with, let's say, generous change? Sure, right. You're the the Twi flavor. What would you What would you That's change really about it? I Can't see us. it.
1: But I'm rubbing my hands together. <laughs> I was, was going <laughs> to say. Ooh, 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 ooh. So first, I excise the werewolf den from existence. It's gone. It does not exist. It is a stupid plotline for stupid people. Whoa! <laughs> all right. So, do well, don't hold back on our account. <laughs> I I will try and avoid spoilers. Second, I rewrite the mansion Argnostol mm. completely. It is the worst dungeon in the module. There is nothing there. Nothing happens. It is a cool story, and that's all that's there. You want you you've got your cool story about stuff. Make it actually about that stuff. Don't just put me (laughs) in an empty room where I have to figure stuff out through context clues. Mm. And tertiarily, I, this, I'm, as I've gone through Strahd, I've become a sucker for old Ravenloft stuff. Mm. I'm reading through 4e, 2e, 3e, all this kind of just wonderful old content, which 5e kind of just chucked. They've restored some of it in the recent Ravenloft book, but not a lot. And I'd like to add a lot of that back in. Because especially the stuff from 4th edition, from Fair Barovia, it adds so much life to the world. Because mm. 5e, they've there's this thing they've done for 5th edition where they've dove really into this idea of nightmare logic. Mm. Barovia doesn't need to make sense. And that's fine. You know, horror, by all means, it's a horror game. Do what you gotta to keep the horror there. Right. But it is, I would... Nix the angle where this is a bad place for bad people that your goal is to get out of and just fill in all that detail of why this place, why pe- why this place was worth settling, why Strahd came here in the first place, why people love it.
0: That's a great just, idea.
1: Mm-hmm, take all this content of, okay, this isn't just graves. This isn't just memories. There, yes, there is grief here, immeasurable, so immeasurable that has seeped into the land. But what was and what is is beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's one thing the original module misses is that, and by intention, Dragna would argue, Mm. there's not much to care about. There are like eight characters total that are actually literally trustworthy. Mm. Everyone else is some flavor of neutral, some flavor of evil, or some flavor of weird. Yeah, weird. (laughs) That's,
0: yes, correct wording. Weird. So,
1: <laughs> I that'd be my supplement. If, if I could make an addition to 5e, I would be I would put in another 30 odd pages saying, okay, this is why people theoretically like it here. Mm. It's make it somewhat someplace worth caring about.
2: I, I love that. Like it, it, it would be the module, but with some mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so got a little, a little bit of joy. Like
1: I, there is more heart in. The Mardikov family and their extended stuff than in several other fifth edition products, but like it needs more. It, if it, if you're gonna run horror, if you're going to have to be stuck in this awful place, then yeah, just make it worth caring about.
0: I had a lot of fun mm. introducing the Blue Water in
1: Mardikovs. Oh, they're great. I am using them in every single campaign I make going forward them and the <laughs> Really? Yep. Like they're they're gonna be they're gonna be a franchise. So it'll be fine.
2: I, I like that. You know, in, in Final Fantasy, there's always a Sid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I I always have a no matter what campaign I run, I have a t- a um, dimension hopping troll. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, named, <laughs> n- named Largo, um, and in every dimension, he tries to recruit his same wife.
3: <laughs>
0: amazing. <laughs> <It's>
2: true. <laughs> they have a twisted view of love. Um, so. <laughs> I, I, I dig that. I, I love those little like Easter eggs, even if they're just for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something fun.
1: Honestly, if you're a DM, you might as well. Like your players are going to engage with it like any other piece of content, but you'll know.
2: So what I find extra interesting about your answer is that, you know, our, our saying on this show is the secret ingredient is love. Mm-hmm. Right. It tastes so good. And and that's essentially what your answer was. I was thinking <laughs> the <laughs>
0: same thing. I
1: was like, "He's he's saying the thing. He's saying the thing. He's <laughs> yeah." No, the secret ingredient is love. There, even mm-hmm. with horror, even with stuff that is meant to be taxing and awful, yeah. there's got to be heart there. There's got to be some worth caring about. And you gotta have that.
0: Yeah, that's that's and it's you gotta stakes. have that breather too, right? Like. You know, you have those devil's crossroad moments where it's like, oh, my God, this is just the brutality on my brain is just not stopping. And you have to have those moments where it's like, oh, you know, these are some people worth caring about. This is a place worth caring about. There's something to love here, whether it's someone else in the setting or
1: those in my party ideally both. Oh, absolutely. I'd I'd say that like, for everything that's happened, for all I'm proud of our Straught encounters and how our characters have grown and changed. Absolutely. My favorite episode of Twice Bitten, and I think it always will be, is not a lick of combat, not a lick of outside distress. Mm. It's the five of us chilling at a Visitani camp. Two characters get together romantically and reveal some things about each other and several others kind of just talk and dance and you know you can't have you can't have a lot of those episodes but for when they happen they're
0: golden. I just went through that episode you're talking about and it's beautiful and I did know I was like this was not a conflict heavy episode
1: but it had all that heart that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's valuable. You do eventually need to go back to punching dragons but (laughs) it's valuable.
0: Adam keeps me on on task with that. He's like, hey, hey, dude, like throw, throw me a dragon, would you? Like, let me just, let me just, just a punch. Just let me,
1: let me punch it. Come on. Oh, no. So do, we. so do we. If, <laughs> if we go too long with just roleplay, me and Lina start figuratively cross-training around Dragna, like just give us something, hey, man, please. I, I've definitely gotten the sense
0: that, uh, that the two of you in particular, um, lean in the you guys like you some crunch.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm. And like uh, the others do too. I but they 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 use crunch in service of character, which I'm very happy for oh, them. Sure. I'm very proud of that. It's not that thing. Mm. I mean it is. Yeah, I, <laughs> like I you know, I, I enjoy picking flavorful spells and feats and all that. But like mm-hmm. I, I think the most interesting part of D D is stuff that comes out through playing the game. And so we've gotten on very well, and it's not surprised, perhaps not surprising, that our characters have gotten on very Absolutely. well. Absolutely, I and I love Amity. Like she's speaking of like if Metreon's a reluctant hero, Amity is a reluctant hero, but like yeah, in such a different, interesting way, it's wonderful because like because th- like she's somebody you know, you know, in Amity, you know oh, someone totally. who is that like. Genuinely loving and kind and just wants people to get along. But deep down, there's that core of I'm staying safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Self-preservation all the way. Mm
1: -hmm. And Linus plays that
0: so well. I love how you guys have this interaction between your characters and, you know, obviously not getting spoilery or anything, but you guys manage to have these interactions that you guys have and it's not awkward at all Um, you guys really like you, you play the character's relationship in this in this very comfortable sort of zone where it feels genuine it feels honest like you guys aren't just hand waving the whole thing but you're also not diving in too deep either you're riding this really nice line where it's uh thank you
1: that was very deliberate yeah <laughs> <laughs> we 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 talk, we've i'd say Linus and I have talked about as much as Jack and I've talked and chiefly it's been working out these details of like okay so we're enjoying this but where do we put where do we push it so that it's always bringing something new to the table and not just kind of existing
0: you guys have had the where's this
1: relationship
0: going talk (laughs)
2: yes (laughs) Well, i think we we even have to approach dialogue that way right like okay did i say something different this time like try not trying not to repeat ourselves
1: oh i'm um, terrible about that (laughs) i've had the same conversation and twice been like five times it's really hard oh my gosh yeah,
2: yeah I, you know, I always like to imagine that there's like an audience watching. In your case, you you know that you will have an audience, <laughs> um, so you have to be extra cognizant yeah. of that. Sometimes I you just know, like
1: forget. I'm just like, wait, what do you mean we covered this? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're 36 uh, sessions in. Get me a break.
2: Particularly when when players get into arguments, you know, if if someone disagrees, uh, often their first thought is, "Well, they must not have understood mm-hmm. me." Mm-hmm. Right. And, and not, no, they, they understood.
1: They just don't, you know, they don't agree.
2: They don't agree. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, you want to keep that scene moving, uh, you know, whether or not there's that audience and, and which isn't to say you can't explore a lot of good dialogue and, and character expression, but we do need to discover what is new. Yeah.
1: Where do we go and how are we changing the situation? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's one of my hardest things to deal with as a DM is to just step in and say, y'all have had this argument out of character, make a choice.
2: And that, that's <laughs> that that's when you make the monsters attack.
1: <laughs> I try that, but then they argue while they're fighting.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I did that uh, two Mondays ago where uh, the, the players had about they spent about 40 minutes Talking about strategy and then I was like they I, I I Completely
0: yeah. noticed that moment too, when there was like That sort of abrupt shift I was Like oh we we
2: ran Out the clock whoops <laughs> he, 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 he We ran out of uh, Adam's yeah. patience I, um, I didn't even so, say
0: anything either I was like I, I get it
2: <laughs> Probably my, my my vocal Tonal shift was also probably A, a clue I, um. I try to look for
0: <laughs> Yeah. Keeping on top of that can be can be really tricky. But I you know going back to um the topic that you'd proposed about you know just wanting to the the importance of playing in a setting uh and running a campaign where player choice matters and you're able to you know play within the narrow confines of the setting wherever it is you're playing and using that as uh, as a feature instead of a bug that this place is, this place might be small, but it's, it's rich and it's deep. Yep, exactly. And you can delve as far as you'd like to into the things that you find, but it also helps to know that A lot of times, if you see something that you don't know much about, chances are there's going to be depth there as well. And it kind of teaches you that things are worth exploring into and worth kind of diving into and asking questions about.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And with Strahd, it's really easy because everything comes back to him cause and effect. Everything in the module is either directly or indirectly caused by him. Right. So it, it, even if there are no unrelated plot lines in Curse of Strahd, every single part of the module is building his mythos, his hit what people think of him, mm. how he got the way he is. It's he's the main character.
2: Right. So how do we kill him? No, just kidding. Don't tell Yo. me. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I don't want to know. Mm. Well,
1: I do want to know, you, but I want, you, to you want to find out. I hope you find out.
2: <laughs> you turn
1: on the faucet and just
0: stick his head in the sink, running water, right? That's just right. My party did try that. <laughs> it's
1: it's running. Well it's supposed him. to work.
0: But he's he's coming back. Oh oh boy!
1: They did stuff him su- unironically stuff him inside a water elemental one time oh! and frantically argued that it was wanting water. Oh my god! I'm
0: proud of them. Dep- depends on your <laughs> definition
2: of running. <laughs> That is creative. I gave it to him. That is creative. Because
1: otherwise they were going to TPK.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's that's usually the the throw them a bone moment.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Or it's like 1030 and you got to wrap up the session. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That works. Okay. Good night, everybody.
0: Have fun. Oh, my goodness. So, man, there's, I know we've been going for a while, but this has been so interesting to to talk about and you know you guys have such a diverse cast uh on the show you you do a great job of differentiating your characters between one another like i've i've listened to a bunch of other you know actual play podcasts and things like that and i think we've all heard those shows where you know, you'll have two people in the cast whose voices sound very similar and you lose track of like, who's who and things like that. Um, and I think you've all done a really good job of establishing your characters very well. And Dragna does a nice job of, uh, keeping in mind your character's goals and their strengths and weaknesses and, addressing all those little things to keep your characters feeling special. And I know Adam's been doing a lot of stuff like that in his own games
1: too. He's been doing really terrifically with that. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's something I'm really proud of that. We've kind of figured out how to make sure that this is like something that people can consume and be interested in. And, you know, we don't talk over each other. We try and use distinct accents, that sort of thing. It's, I'm proud of that. Yeah, and you definitely should be.
2: Well, yeah, I think you should be too. Right? It's a very high-quality show. It's clear that everybody approaches it with the, the right philosophy and attitude. So, um, yeah, keep up the good work, man.
1: Oh, we will. Don't worry. We've got, we're have coming up on the end. <laughs> oh, my Not goodness. Not soon, but we'll get there.
2: Hey, take as long as you need,
0: man. It's just more oh, good stuff for me to listen to.
1: <laughs> no, of course, but eventually we're going to get to the point where Either Strahd's going to kill us or we're going to kill him. There's just, got it, there's just a cutoff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, my last, last, last question is, without giving any spoilers, do you have any tips for Adam here as they uh, come uh, come up the road to the Wizard of Wines
1: winery? Brute Force wins certain fights. This is not one of them. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs>
0: uh-huh. That's that's, well, that's really good, good advice. <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. That's very <laughs> yeah. that's well put. I like that. Thank you.
2: So I, I'm playing a, a rogue mastermind. Ooh, um, that's great. That's uh, a yeah. Hopefully that'll be the the right place to exercise those brain muscles a little bit. You'll
1: certainly have the opportunity. It's a fun part of the module
2: but also I do want to shoot a thing. Oh, do I get, there is plenty to shoot. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Things (laughs) things will be shot.
1: Yes. Because Adam is not a
2: mastermind. (laughs) Andrew's
0: not a mastermind either. Uh, (laughs) But I will say, uh, listening to Dragna DM and stuff, uh, as well as seeing his articles and, um, and everything really, It was not hyperbole when you said earlier that uh, listening to him do his thing is like a masterclass in how to run well.
1: And in some ways it's kind of unfair because like he's lived, breathed, ate, drank this module for like longer than people write their own books. Right. Like uh, he he could have put out like three novels in the time he has spent just... (laughs) mastering the stupid 5th edition well, Dungeons & Dragons he's, module. He's
0: pretty much written three novels worth of extra
1: material. Yep. I'm. It reloaded's pretty oh great. Oh my god, it's huge. Yeah, no, I'm very thrilled that on that one fortuitous summer Sunday, that when Dragna went on his rant in the Discord server about like, hey, I think I'm going to run Curse of Strahd completely rules as written. Let me know if you want in on that. And I just decided eh I kind of know this guy oh my god
0: <laughs> it's like uh, what I would That's have funny. given to have been in the chat that day
3: whoo man I'm sure you can
1: dig it up it's still
0: around but oh I'm yeah. just saying I would I'm... have loved to throw my freaking hat in the ring
3: <laughs>
0: Jeez oh, I feel that. it's it's been really really cool I'm glad that you guys have have done it
3: um
1: thank you adam is and i'm glad you so enjoyed
0: it anything else you want to throw out there
2: yeah um, any plugs any pieces of the topic we didn't hit
1: on uh not much i can think of um if you by chance podcast listener are a curse of stride dm i have a supplement on dm Guild called encounters in castle ravenloft hmm. which is a set of random encounters written for high level parties there's a lot of story a lot of heart and also they're actually balanced. So you're not fighting three swarms of bats at level nine. Ooh. That sounds like <laughs> your pick. You can find it there. Otherwise, though, just twice been is cool. If you're interested in story focused podcasts or curse of Strahd, give it a try. Otherwise, though, just thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been really wonderful. It's been an
0: absolute pleasure to meet you, man. I, uh, I've been having so much fun just diving. Deeper into the community. And I've talked with Linus a little bit, uh, just over text chat. And mm-hmm. obviously, we spoke with Jack and I've spoke with Dragna a couple of times. And it's been an unmitigated joy to, um, to just get to know you guys. And I really look forward to us getting to know you all more.
1: Likewise, very much so.
0: So thank you for taking the time to. Come hang out with us a little bit for uh, your your weeknight. Um, it's been really, really fun.
1: Likewise. Thank you all for having me.
0: Absolutely. All right. Um, I think it's time to bring it home, yeah? Yep. Time to take, yep. take it all away, right. my dude. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for hanging out with us tonight. We hope that you have taken away something inspiring and something that can help you elevate your experience at the table. As Twy was mentioning twice bitten is excellent. And if you are a curse of Strahd GM or a player who has played through curse of Strahd and you don't mind spoilers about the campaign, um, definitely go check it out it is quality through and through and, uh, just Google, curse of Strahd twice bitten and you'll find everything that you need to find and as far as we go I also want to thank our patrons Spike Kate Falangor and Logan Logan jeez Louise my brain is shot tonight I apologize Logan I love you (laughs) just as much as your brothers and sisters I love you all the same um (laughs) and okay Let's keep if going. you'd like to back <laughs> us, support us, or interact with us, just head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. That's our website. If you're on PC or uh, other desktop platform, there are three buttons in the upper right-hand corner, or if you're on mobile, they're in the upper center. You can use those to find our Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon. So all that having been said, why, thank you again for hanging out with us man it was a total blast
1: oh it was thanks for letting me ramble about the best worst module in 5a E. I love it dearly
0: <laughs> absolutely man our, our, our pleasure. pleasure and until next time stay inspired
2: bye everybody bye bye